You're about to listen to the IC News podcast. We hope you enjoy it. Please don't forget, our show can only succeed with your support. Tell your friends. Share the link around on social media. Leave us a rating and a review on whichever platform you're listening on. And while we have your attention, take a second to hit that subscribe button. That way, you'll get a brand new episode each and every Saturday. If you're enjoying the show enough to want to support it, check out the link to our Patreon page. It's at patreon.com slash I see you stories. For just a pound or so a month, you'll get early access to every episode of the show as soon as it's finished, as well as early access to the Monday stories on the I see you Facebook page. You're listening to I see news, the only network bringing you the stories from across the multiverse. Guinness World Record for the largest collective sigh of relief is completely shattered after a less-than-inspiring very old man just about manages to squeak a victory over the rapist from Home Alone 2 to become leader of the most powerful nation in the world. Claiming widespread voter fraud despite a complete lack of evidence, Donald Trump Jr. threatens total war over the result, which is hardly surprising. It's difficult to take a loss on the chin when you don't have one. England enters its second national lockdown, in the least welcome comeback among abused women since Louis C.K. And finally, Boris Johnson says there is still a deal to be done with the EU, and it's one that presumably fell out of his panicked arse the moment he realised that a man who actually understands the Good Friday Agreement would be taking over in the White House. Hello and welcome. I'm Sam Gore and you're listening to IC News, the only network willing to kick democracy's face in until it gives us the result we want. And that result is news, news and more news, screamed into your stupefied faces until you're so informed that you just can't take it anymore. If you're of the opinion that the news cycle has been, well, a bit much recently, I'm afraid you picked the wrong week to tune in. This week saw the sort of outcome of the most acrimonious US presidential election in history, the results of which are still not quite crystal clear. It very much appears that the Democratic challenger Joe Biden has unseated the incumbent President Trump, having gained the 270 electoral college votes needed to do so. However, legal challenges from the Trump campaign, however insane, remain to be answered. The Donald isn't exactly going quietly into that good night, opting instead to loudly scream the very conspiracy that he's been seeding among his base for months. If he was expecting the entire apparatus of the Republican Party to rush to his defence, however, he's been sorely disappointed. The Senate is, for now, still in Republican hands, meaning that haunted love child of Droopy and the tortoise from Kung Fu Panda, Mitch McConnell is free to pursue the same relentlessly obstructionist agenda he followed under Obama. The Republican machine is now, by and large, already seeking to uncouple itself from Trump's frenzied claims of conspiracy. The one thing that was clear after Election Day was that once again, polling leading up to the results had been way off the mark. President Trump performed much better than a lot of his critics anticipated, and America now appears more divided down angry partisan lines than ever before. Seeking to capitalise on those divisions, Donald's leaving the White House with all the grace and dignity of a coked-up estate agent getting bundled out of a nightclub. His lame duck session now looks set to be an absolute spectacle, and any hope that a Biden presidency can somehow restore sanity hinges very much on what the new leader of the free world will actually be able to achieve. Without a Senate majority, the simple answer to that may well be bugger all. 
The disinformation age continues to poison the well of public discourse, and Trump's furious and unfounded claims of voter fraud now threaten to light a fire under his base that could burn through any hope that a new president might get America to settle the fuck down for a bit. The conspiracy theories just aren't going away, which is why there's only one man at the network we can turn to to discuss the US election. It's our own resident conspiracy theorist, Danny Sutcliffe. Danny, as you're a big fan of Trump, I've got to ask, how are you feeling right now? Me? I'm feeling fucking great, pal. He's done it four more years. Suck it, liberals. There's no derailing the Trump train. Right, you uh, you do realise he hasn't actually won. Yes, he has. Trump's won. He declared it, so he's won. The Democrats aren't stealing this election. We've stopped the counts. Apart from where Trump was winning, where we've continued the counts. Consistency. Victory. Four more years. Yeah, that's really not how these things work. Well, it is here, pal. Fuck Earth Prime. I want no part of it. You can have your corrupt elections, counting all the votes like a bunch of deep state scumbags. That's not how it works here, pal. This is Earth Alpha Mango Hamburger 88. It's the parallel universe that exists in Donald Trump's head. Here, they don't go by the Electoral College. What a fucking stupid system that is. What do they use, then? Dibs. Dibs? Dibs. Trump called it, Trump gets it. Shotgun. No take-backs. Four more years. Make America great again. Again. Every day's a party over here, pal. Unless you're Hillary Clinton. This is not exactly the sort of in-depth analysis of a complicated result that I was hoping for, Danny. That's because there's nothing complicated about it, pal. Trump won, simple as that. The Illuminati might have rigged the game back home, but here, they'd never get away with it. It's all coming, pal. The arrests, the scandal, the fall of Obama... Every member of the Democrat pedo ring is going to jail. Mark my words. You've changed your tune. Even you thought QAnon was a load of ridiculous bullshit just a few weeks ago. You're right, I did. But then I saw an entire country in on the conspiracy to bring Donald Trump down. Voting. Voting in record numbers. And not only that, insisting those votes got counted too. That's just adding insult to injury. The old game was clearly rigged. Well, given that Trump actually performed far better than the polls suggested he might, Danny, that's a pretty ridiculous allegation to make. Well, explain how it's taken so fucking long to count all these votes, then. Go on, if the game wasn't rigged, why the delays? Because Republican state legislators actively voted against counting mail-in ballots before Election Day, Danny. A lot of the delays were the inevitable result of Republican policy. Oh, Well, it doesn't fucking matter, does it? Trump was winning, and then magically he wasn't. When absentee ballots were counted, yes. Because Democrats, who have urged their supporters to exercise caution about voting in person in the middle of a pandemic, are better represented in that demographic. Oh, fuck your demographics, pal. It's fraud, plain and simple. Biden can have his heist back in your shitty reality. Here, it's plain sailing on the Trump train. Woo-hoo! How does a train sail? Oh, piss off, you metropolitan coastal elite, with your democracy and your virtue signalling and your election victory. None of it matters one bit here, mate. 
Here, everything Trump fantasises about comes true. The women are beautiful, the men are grovelling, and everything is quite literally golden. Even the showers? Especially the showers, pal. Every day's a party in the Trumpiverse. And despite what the Democrats preach about equality, this is a beautifully diverse room of people. If you count the serving staff. Look, there's the AOC, back behind the bar where Trump assumes she belongs. Ah, oh, and here comes Lindsey Graham and Ted Cruz, ready to lick me boots clean. Yeah, actually, that's pretty minging. Fuck off, lads, will you? There's a good pair of lap dogs. Well, this all sounds pretty grotesque and tacky, Danny. You just don't know class when you see it, pal. And speaking of class, the curtains are up. It's the main event, the man himself. Oh, he's, um, he's naked on a four-poster bed. And Jeff Bezos and Mike Bloomberg are watching and crying about how poor they are. I could have done without the visuals, really. But hey, this is Trump's ideal fantasy world. I probably should have expected a bit of excess. Oh, here comes Ivanka, and she's wearing... Oh. Oh, no. Oh, fuck. I really didn't think this through. Daddy, what's going on? Oh. Oh, fucking hell, no. Oh, got right over his chest. And his face. Oh. Oh. Oh, fuck. This is horrible. Horrible. Where's the barbary? And why is he crying? And wanking? Where are the fireworks? What is this? What is this? Oh, Sam, I, I was wrong. This, this isn't right, man. This isn't right at all. I'm coming home. All is forgiven. Joe Biden, I'll settle. I'll fucking settle. All right, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We'll see you next week, Danny. No, Sam, you can't leave me here. You, you can't, you can't leave. The things I'm seeing, Sam, all the things he likes... Oh, Jesus, not that. What's she... Oh, God. Oh, sweet, merciful Christ. <laughs> Laura! Laura! Back here in Britain, it was also a pretty monumental week, as Boris Johnson and Rishi Sunak finally got bundled to the ground by Jonathan Van Tam. The deputy medical officer forced them into a back room and angrily pushed coronavirus charts into their mouths until they begged him to stop and promised to actually fucking do something. The result was the frantic announcement of a second national lockdown for England and the extension of the furlough scheme until March. That time frame will make it conveniently difficult to untangle the economic impact of Brexit from that of the pandemic, but rest assured, either way, it's going to fucking suck. With the latest on Westminster's losing battle against COVID-19, Here's Tom King. Thanks, Sam. On Thursday night, England entered its second national lockdown, with all non-essential shops and services ordered to shut until early December. 
If all goes to plan, the second wave will be suppressed enough that we can reopen just in time for the absolute carnage of a frantic 22-day Christmas shopping spree. It's going to turn Black Friday at the Metro Centre into Dawn of the Fucking Dead. That you found yourself in this position at all may have come as somewhat as a surprise to you, given that just a few short weeks ago, Boris Johnson was tearing strips off the opposition for daring to even suggest that perhaps a second lockdown was in order. Well, he's performed yet another U-turn, or as he puts it, has responded dynamically to an ever-changing and unpredictable situation. Johnson reacts dynamically in much the same way that a car reacts dynamically to hitting a brick wall. First, he protests loudly. Then, he collapses entirely before exploding into a million pieces. It also hasn't exactly been an unpredictable situation. If you're driving a car full of scientific advisors, all of whom have been screaming at you about the brick wall coming up for the last month... It's a bit fucking rich to claim it somehow snuck up on you. It's far more likely that you're just a really shit driver. The desperate pivot to a new national lockdown was first announced in a press conference that was delayed for hours. You know, just to really amp up the impression that the government didn't have the faintest idea what the hell it was doing. Now, as the clock ticked down, behind the scenes, a team of professional hairstylists frantically tried to tousle the Prime Minister's barnet into just the right mess to distract the country from a potential 80,000 winter deaths. As they worked away, everything that he was about to announce leaked to the press anyway. That made the whole desperate spectacle so utterly humiliating for Boris when it finally happened that a Tory MP would normally have paid top dollar to a Soho dominatrix for the experience. An elephant pissing into a sieve generates fewer leaks than Boris Johnson's cabinet and it was beyond infuriating for businesses and citizens alike to watch this latest fiasco drip out of number 10's incompetent foreskin. Of course, A delayed press conference is far from the only reason why all of this is so very frustrating. Lockdowns of any variety do immense economic and societal damage and they don't cure a single Covid patient. They are blunt and brutal tools useful for no other purpose than buying time. That time has been repeatedly frittered away by a government that has completely failed to get a grip on the situation. And fuck me, even I'm bored of repeating myself now. But once again, for all of you in the back, Test and Trace wasted £12 billion of public money and still doesn't work well enough to be in any way effective. It's just maddening when all of this could have been so easily prevented at a much less steeper cost to both the country's coffers and its collective mental health. We know that Sage had already warned that the tier system wouldn't be effective enough. We know that a circuit break would have worked far better during the half-term holidays when schools that are now one of the main sources of new virus transmissions weren't open. We know that as a result, This new lockdown, much like the Hobbit trilogy, is going to be far longer and more painful than it ever needed to be. All of this was staring Boris Johnson in the face and his own advisers were sounding the alarms into his ears. 
He chose not to listen, though, instead blundering on with his failed middle way that sought to somehow balance the opposite demands of a global pandemic and the needs of the economy. He basically tried to wank off both Rishi Sunak and the NHS at the same time, but his technique is so cack-handed that nobody has been left satisfied. And for some reason, thousands of us that he invited to watch are now going to either get sick or lose our jobs. It's a disastrous repeat of the same needless mistakes we made just a few short months ago. Now, I don't know about you, but at this point, I'm, I'm just knackered. We've all witnessed so many embarrassing missteps by a government that can't get its act together. We've seen public money that could have saved lives and jobs instead thrown to incompetent cronies and useless consultancy firms. It's been such a spectacular display of corruption and willful incompetence that whether or not the public will even consent to this new lockdown is now in question. And that's the real tragedy here that we're about to go through all this suffering and it may not even work because the government have completely pissed away the public's trust and willingness to comply. I'm Tom King and this lockdown, I'm going to set myself much less ambitious targets. I never did write that novel. This time though, I think I'll settle for just actually putting pants on every day. Reporting for IC News. The case for a new national lockdown was far from helped this week by condemnation from the UK Statistics Authority, who criticised the government's use of data in Saturday's press conference. The worst of the projections shown used out-of-date information and overestimated deaths, and when you're a government trying to get an entire nation to stay at home, getting slapped on the wrist by your own watchdog for misleading the public isn't exactly a great look. The risk to the NHS and the need to act to prevent the pandemic surging out of control is still very real. But lockdown scepticism, born out of this sort of clumsy data handling, is rapidly becoming a political movement all of its own. The Prime Minister found that out for himself on Wednesday, as Parliament voted for England's new national measures. He faced a small rebellion from backbenchers and earned an abstention from Theresa May, a woman who seems to be taking far more pleasure out of circling Boris Johnson's soon-to-be corpse than she ever did out of leading the country. Paranoia and cynicism are fertile breeding grounds for opportunists, and there's nobody in British politics more shameless and opportunistic than honking Pez dispenser full of fagash Nigel Farage. This week he announced that the Brexit party would be rebranded as Reform UK, an anti-lockdown party fighting for the right to just let everybody's grandparents die already. Quite what impact the latest gambit from the pint-swilling political maverick who once lost an election to a man dressed as a dolphin remains to be seen. But as is tradition, both here and at the BBC, for some reason we have to give him a shitload of coverage that he's done nothing to earn. For her take on the story, here's everyday average woman with a heart of gold, Jade Fernley. Everybody, I'm Jade Fernley, proud Yorkshire lass, hard-working mother of three, and owner of two utterly feral Yorkshire terriers that never stop barking. You come round my house and they'll enthusiastically swarm around your legs and bite your fingers if you go anywhere fucking near them. And of course I'll insist 
they're only playing. Whilst I sip from my Yorkie Mum mug, smugly watching as you become more and more uncomfortable. Aww. Since my ball has left the nest, the dog's constant bombardment and noise is the soundtrack to my life. The way I loudly snap at them in the street might suggest otherwise, but I love them to pieces. Not enough to pick up their shine, mind. But I pay my council tax. That is what a road sweeper's for. Which brings me neatly to why I'm here. I know where I want my taxes to be spent. I expect my politicians to act accordingly. I know what I voted for and I know what I don't like. And I know that I will only ever support politicians that are as proud of this country as I am. And I thought that would be Boris. But when he announced this week that we're going back into a bloody lockdown. Oh, I was so livid I nearly shit myself. Nobody. And I mean nobody. Endangers a Fernley family Christmas. My Barry will be out on day release. Our Ken's flying back from Zante. My boys and my dogs will be back together again. If there's one politician that's consistently spoken up for me and millions of people like me, it's Nigel Farage. He understands the common man. He speaks for everyday people. Those who stand their ground and speak their mind, even when their mind is completely uninformed. He understands that it's freedom that makes Britain great. Freedom to shake off the EU's oppressive shackles. Freedom to grow our economy by ripping it out of the common market. Freedom to cough directly into each other's mouths in the middle of a pandemic. And the freedom to enjoy a perfectly roasted turkey basted in sage butter and bacon fat with our loved ones. That's what these fucking do-gooders will never understand. It's about family. When I heard this week that dear Nigel was back, back again, Nigel's back, tell a friend, I went over the fucking moon, turning the Brexit party into Reform UK and rebranding it as an anti-lockdown party. It's a political masterstroke. It'll speak for millions of people. Just you know, in Nigel Farage's voice, shouting, look at me, I'm still relevant. (laughs) It'll terrify the Conservatives and they'll flap and panic and shift position in a desperate attempt to fend him off. Reform UK will tell the people that they know best, despite the advice of tiresome medical experts, and they'll tilt public opinion even further away from a responsible science-led approach to tackling this pandemic. And if thousands of people need to fucking die so that my three boys can pull a cracker with their mum across the Christmas table, so be it. I will get my party hat and my tiny set of miniature screwdrivers and I'll get that little plastic fish that tells you what mood you're in and God fucking help me, it will tell me that I am happy. I can't tell you how proud to be British it makes me. That we've got good old-fashioned men willing to stand up for this country. Men like Nigel and Lawrence Fox. If they work together, we'll have reform and reclaim, working hand in hand to thumb their noses at this establishment. Though I expect Lawrence won't thumb his too hard mind. Wouldn't want him poking his own septum out. We'll have our voice back. 
We'll have our freedom back. But more than anything else, it'll make Nigel Farage feel important again. And if we have to once again hijack the ignorance and anxiety of an entire nation in order to do it, so what? Some prices are just worth paying. What's a nation's health and self-respect truly worth when it can be so easily bled on the altar of one man's ego? That's why I've come here. This is Earth Charlie Bravo UKIP 18. On this earth, all of Nigel Farage's fantasies came true and he was elected Prime Minister a few short years ago. I can't tell you how excited I am to find out just how fantastic Britain could be with a real patriot in charge. I'm sure I'll find out soon. But the thing is, I haven't really found anyone yet to ask about it. It's just a lot of empty streets and burnt-out buildings. I don't know what this thing is, but it's making a right fucking racket. Oh, great. Now I've got a nosebleed. Oh, well. At least there's plenty of space to walk the dogs. I'm Jade Fernley, reporting for IC News. Oswald, Enoch, shut the fuck up, will you? I'm trying to find Nigel. Nigel? Nigel? Where the fuck is everybody? Oh, why does my mouth taste like a battery? Jade's report brings us to the end of our scheduled broadcast. We leave you now with the headlines you may have missed. Denmark culls millions of mink after a mutated strain of coronavirus emerges in the animals. Because it's 2020, and giant weasel mutant supervirus is just the final act that we all deserve. The US formally withdraws from the Paris Climate Agreement, just as Joe Biden pledges to immediately rejoin it. Just don't type old man re-enters Paris into Pornhub, the Hiltons have suffered enough. Johnny Depp is asked to leave the Fantastic Beasts franchise, after creator J.K. Rowling was apparently left very upset to find out that the woman he allegedly victimised wasn't trans. And finally, the Edinburgh woollen mill collapses, but nobody is hurt because it's so very soft. Because it's made of wool. Look, it's been a long week, alright. You've been listening to IC News. Thank you, and goodbye. You've just been listening to the IC News Podcast. If you enjoyed it, please don't forget to help us spread the word. Only with your support can we reach more people and build a larger audience. Every episode of IC News is written and produced by Sam Gore. Every week we feature guest voices from the UK stand-up circuit. Check out the podcast description to find out who you've been listening to. They're all very funny people, and you should check out their stuff. The IC News main theme is written and performed by Eddie French and the graphic design for the show is by Chunchy.com. Any additional music in the show will always be properly credited in the podcast description, so if you hear something you like, please check that out and support the independent artists who offer their work to shows like ours.